freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Hello, 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 Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710CLSports.com. Brock... You were Michael. right. I hate it when you're right about things that you don't want to be right about. I like when you're right in general. I mean, unless I'm arguing with you. Uh-huh. I mean, it doesn't happen that often, so I don't have to I mean, the Demo was going to get it going, that Julio was going to get it going, that this right. offense was yeah. going to find its footing a little bit, find some life in Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Avoid Michael Jordan Day. You know, <laughs> they didn't get to the to 500 for the 23rd time. You're right, brother. You not are not right. yet they didn't. <laughs> but you were, uh, unfortunately, 100% ahead of the curve, dead on accurate yesterday. As Devin Witherspoon was not there for day one of practice, were you, I mean, obviously you weren't surprised, nope. but probably concerned? Where would you, well, where would now, you describe now, yourself? <laughs> Well, now the game begins. I mean, now that you and your agent, and and I think in this case, it's really the agent that drives a young player so often. I think if you were to chat with Paul and Dave and, and Bump and others, if, you know, when you come into this league and when you get drafted, okay, how do all of this work? You really, you, you don't know. And you're going to lean into your agency to really direct you. When you're in free agency, it's the same thing. When you're seeking a trade, as, as I did, and you know your agent is a is the power broker. He's the one that holds a lot of the cards. And there's no question the agency is saying to Devin, no, 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 we're going to fight this, and we're going to fight to get you more of your cash now, and not have it deferred. And three of the four guys in front of you got 100 percent of their signing bonus. Uh, Will Anderson got 85 percent of his bonus, and we're going to fight to get you as much cash on hand as we can right now. And now Devin Witherspoon, the player, is put right in the crosshairs. <laughs> you know, the agent's doing his job, right? The agent's, that, that's their business to try to get you as much cash in your pocket today as possible because we never know what tomorrow brings. And the player now is the one who's got to wear But, but some this of money this. is guaranteed either way. Correct. So I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I understand the argument they're making. I'm not saying that what they're saying is silly or stupid or not worth it, but is it worth holding? I know the tech, it's not technically a holdout, but it's in effect a holdout. Is it worth holding out for? Is it worth not being there? Is it worth not being a part of day one? Is it worth not being a part of what you felt yesterday out there, which is the start of of just something new. Everybody is bouncing and joyous and fun, and your teammates are there, and Jackson's putting on a show, your first-round battery mate. Is it worth is it worth not yeah. being there right now? It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it is, at least not to me. And I, and I try to, you know, be open to the idea that there's more to the story than we know. But I, I just, in this case, I don't really see it. 360 with a, what I think is a really good text says, well, we know how this is going to turn out. Devin's going to come in late, pull a hamstring within the first two or three days back. So what's who's going to start in his place until he finally gets back into shape, say, week six or seven? There is that fear. When no guys question. start missing time, then they come back and they try to make up for it, et cetera. It's not yep. a guarantee that that happens, obviously, but that is a concern. I'll, I'll buy that one. Nope. I think that that is a very valid concern, and you have seen that a bunch. And they were already, remember, after he was drafted, fairly guarded with him and making sure that ramp-up time was appropriate and really to get themselves to July, what is today, the 27th. You know, that whole offseason was spent to get you to July 26th yesterday. So you could do what Jackson Smith and Jigba did, and that is hit this ground full speed. So now the game begins. 
Now Devin's going to be sitting in his hotel, more than likely here in town, just playing the waiting game and <laughs> refreshing his phone, kind of like the Swifty said to do, like keep refreshing my phone right. and you know maybe try to keep myself busy and maybe go for a little workout on my own and, and look at Twitter and look at all the fun guys are having and start to see what's going on all around the league. And I'm the only the draft only pick in the entire NFL that remains unsigned. And I got to see Adam Schefter tweeting about me. And yeah, now 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 the journey begins. And, and how long before you eventually walk in there? Because the Seahawks are not going to change the way they do business. And and you're not going to, and you're not even trying to get paid more money. No. I think that's the thing that I find so bizarre about this. You're not looking for a bigger guarantee, and you're not trying to get paid more money. And yet you're not here. And I would actually, I would actually argue for young players, for rookies, for twenty-one-year-olds, twenty-two-year-olds coming out. I would actually argue, and maybe this is just the way I'm old man wired, conservative anyway. That actually, it's a good thing to defer a little bit of that. That's not all bad, right? Right. It, it, the amount of people that come out of the woodwork that all want a piece of you, and, and family, and friends, and charities, and ev- nonprofits, and everybody that wants a part of you, you know, to be able to say. Hey man, this is, you know, this is what I got now and I got more coming later and, you know, I got to start managing this first enormous generational sum of money and, you know, in six, nine months, I'm going to get that next phase of it and that next phase of it. Actually, for young players, it's why they, it's what they've tried to do, Salk, in retirement for NFL players. Right. Right. They set aside an annuity and then it's your 401k and then it's your pension and these things come at different benchmarks in your life. Because they need to protect you from yourself sometimes. And certainly the people that try to come after you. So I would actually argue to a young player or make the point that it's it's beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Even I, if even it, if you don't think it is right now, any, that money and that guarantee is coming down the road. Any truth to the rumor that it's actually Mike Jackson and Kobe Bryant who have been feeding <laughs> this information to him and his agent, trying to keep him out of practice for as long as possible? I don't know. And I, Trey and, and Trey Brown? No, I, I don't. You don't think, think that's so. how this is going? Like, but hey, they're the hey, biggest man, beneficiaries. You, gotta you, gotta, you don't want to <laughs> be here. Like, you got to make sure you get that money up front, man. Yeah. Uh, I saw a text here concerned that he's not going to be that good because he's playing nickel. And, and I think it is worth sort of clarifying that. If I understand this properly, the goal would be to have Witherspoon on one side and Tariq Woolen on the other in your base package. And that when you bring in a nickel, there's two ways you could do it. You can keep that alignment and then bring in Kobe Bryant to be your nickel, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. you can bring in Mike Jackson on third down or whenever you need a nickel package. He moves outside in that scenario, and then Witherspoon moves inside. Is that right? That's 100%. And you know what? I think what you want is what a lot of this back end of the defense is built upon, and that's versatility. That's versatility of matchups. If you want to put your best cover guy on Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup is their best route runner, where does Cooper play? Plays in the slot. Right. And and he is their monster on third down. So, you know, when you play the Rams, is it possible that, you know, because of different matchups, we're actually going to slide and have the capability of sliding Devin inside so he can match up with one of the game's best receivers who just happens to play Mm -hmm. in the slot? So I think that that is very, very much matchup dependent. And it does sound like it's something Pete wants to continue. They'll both be competing in there. We'll see how that works out. I'm really happy for the depth at corner. Like today, we jumped out with Trey and, and Michael playing corner, you know, when, when uh, Wool's not out there and and, uh, and Devin's not out there. It shows we have really nice depth there and, and with Kobe, you know, playing the nickel spot. So um, that's going to be a very competitive 
position, you know, throughout. And I really can't wait to see what happens. I don't, you know, Kobe did a nice job at nickel for us last year. Uh, Devin looks like a real natural guy playing there as well. So we'll just see how it goes and, and, and figure out the right mix. Um, we may get them all on the field at the same time. I think Pete kind of likes some of the competition element. Uh, what do you I don't think? think he, yeah, I don't think he minds that I don't at think all. he minds at all. I think that's why his vert was a little higher yesterday <laughs> when I saw him in his old Nike shoes, hop in his clown shoes, hop up there. Yeah. I saw a good eight, nine inches. When he said the he tapped the all in sign. I mean, I would say he got farther than Condota did when he did the did the broad oh, jump. Oh, right? not even not even close. That yeah, was pretty good. Did I mean, you I see think, my uh, I saw my your tweet. Comparison? I think, what do you I think? think it's I I think it's a very fair comparison. My dad moving on the beach, throwing the tennis ball around versus Pete getting a little up. What do you think? Two seventy year olds with very natural movement. My dad's got a few years on Pete. I I, I think mm-hmm. that kind of gives him the edge. No, yeah. like, what's Pete going to look like when he's my like, dad's age? I feel like Pete's finding a lot of arthritis, and he's <laughs> he's beating the Itis family. He's beating it. Your dad does. Doesn't have as much of the Itis family. No, but he had a heart attack last year, which I think you know gives him a little edge too. Uh, well, got to take that plant-based turn, like Pete. Uh, my dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What plant? <laughs> what? When is my dad? My dad would have to Dang. eat one vegetable. I asked my dad the other day when he was here what his favorite vegetable was. He said a potato. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, dad, you can't count a potato. He was like, all right, corn. I was like, dad, you can't take does your starches. Da- does your dad eat the skin of a baked potato? Yes. I think that's their generation. Yes. Oh, I eat it. Yeah, you oh, don't eat the skin the, of a baked oh, potato? I mean, that's where all the nutrients are. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, where, skin of a baked that's where it is the vegetable. Yeah, no. I'll, actually, you know what? I don't think my dad does. I think my mom ends up eating his baked potato skins. It's too healthy skins. for him. He's like, uh, oh, it tastes too much like asparagus. No chance. Won't eat it. So, all right. Coming up next, we'll give you everything you need to know, including a thrilling Mariner win yesterday that has them rolling in a way that is very unexpected. What will they do with the deadline? This is all in the next 20 minutes. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Football officially returned in Seattle yesterday with the Seahawks starting off day one of training camp. Sounds like it went great. Gino picked up pretty much where he left off. Bobby Wagner felt all the love from the fans, talked to them for a little while. Afterwards, everything was great, except that Brock was right. Your prediction was accurate. First round pick. Devin Witherspoon, not at practice. Yeah, um, he, he's not here today. Um, he, he knows everything he needs to know. I think uh, I can't imagine he won't be here very soon. Like, right away. <laughs> like, right away. Pete's just going to manifest it into happening, Brock. Yeah, he knows everything he needs to know. And you know what you need to know? Here's the deal, kid. It's all slotted. All right? Th- th- this is out of our hands. This is the way it works. Your top five pick, you're going to make generational money. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. These dollars are all guaranteed. Now, do you get all of that today? No, that's not how we do business. Because we're fiscally responsible. It's why we never draft in the top five. And we haven't been in there. Since I've been a, a, the Seahawk coach and, and the people upstairs, John Schneider and crew have been working their jobs. We don't pick there. It just so happens the Denver Broncos were horrible. Just asked on Peyton. And we got the number five pick. And with it, we got you. And you're going to get your money. So, Kit, come and get to work. Well, the good news here is that it distracts from what would have otherwise been the top story, which is that Jamal Adams is going to start on the PUP, uh, meaning he is not ready to go just yet. Same with Jordan Brooks and a few others. Pete addressed those two and whether or not they could be ready for week one. It's possible. It's possible. I'm, I'm not I'm not counting on that. I'm not, even, I'm not even thinking about that right now. I just want to get him back and get him right. So whenever that happens, it happens. In the meantime, the other guys have to do their thing to step up, and, and that's what we're counting on. All right, you want me to drop a little something on you? Drop a little something on you in the first 15 minutes of the show yesterday. You want me to drop a little something with the double horns right there? When Jamal comes back, 
There'll be a lot of linebacker, Jamal. And I'll hmm. leave it at that. A lot of linebacker. Well, you can't just leave it at that. I'll what leave it at that. Are you calling Jamal Adams a linebacker? I am just saying Jamal Adams, the safety, hmm. that old chameleon or that old skin might have been shed for a little bit more really? linebacker whenever well, he comes they back. They did spend some money on love. Moore said he was one of the best players out there yesterday, that he stood out. Maybe that's all part of the plan. Meanwhile, Geno Smith, number 77 on the uh, 100 top players in the league list put up by NFL Network. That sounds right, doesn't it? Yep. Reek Woolen, he now is going by Reek. Number 76, that sound right? You good with that, Reek? Not really. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that the guy's name who's being tortured in uh, Game of Thrones? It's just really close to Rick. Isn't and he, he doesn't Reek? look like a Rick. But like R-E-E? Like, Might be. Isn't that what they call him Reek? Like you Reek? <laughs> I don't know, man. I hate whatever Reek he wants to be called fine with me. But that's kind of what it makes me think of is that guy in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Here's the second thing you need to My know. My wife hates torture scenes, too. Like, those were really, really hard for her. She did not care for those as well, which is why she's had trouble watching the Mariners at times this year, but not over the last week. Don't look now, Brock, but they've started to put together a pretty nice little stretch. They win again yesterday, 8-7 to seven in Minnesota. They take another series. They've won five of their last seven games. They are realistically blown save and a sacrifice fly away from having won seven straight. It's amazing. During that time, they're averaging 5.4 runs per game. They're scoring runs. They they look like the team they were supposed to look like when they were designed in the offseason. Yesterday, they got some contributions from Dylan Moore with a second home run. Here's the pitch. He swings and hammers this high. Left center field. A rising tee shot. Gone to the back of the bullpen. Dylan Moore unloads. With his second of the game, Julio had another nice day. Colton Wong had another key hit. Tom Murphy's been really hitting the ball well. That big trio of Gino, Julio, and Teo went five for 14 and drove in three runs. When their top guys hit, they tend to win. And when they get contributions from their role players, then you're going to score over five runs a game, right? I mean, I'm with you. I don't disagree with that. You know, we have said for many, many months and and Jeff Passan said it two months ago. This team goes as Julio goes. And when Julio gets it warm, gets it warmed up, and when Julio hits home runs, and when Julio starts to produce, it's amazing. Some of the other guys seem to follow right along. Yeah, Scott says he's made some changes at the plate, and he likes what he's seeing. Uh, I think Julio's been searching for things all year, um, you know, to, to get on time. And, um, you know, he and, and Jared DeHart continuously, whether it's looking at old video and trying to come up with different keys that can unlock it and uh, i think he found something here the last few days and, and to jared DeHart's credit he told me it was coming so we tried a little bit something a little bit different um and it's working you know and, and you know julio has, has taken a lot of big swings this year kind of getting his whole body into it he really doesn't have to he just needs to hit it um so shortening up his swing a little bit has certainly helped well it has worked very very well day off today then they'll be in arizona for three uh, quickly, uh, remind me who Chris Dot and Jerry DeHart are. Jarrett DeHart is their uh, hitting coach. Thank you. I appreciate yes, it. No worries. Well, just for the audience. Mariners do make a small deal yesterday. They acquire right-hander Trent Thornton from Toronto. They send Marco Gonzalez to the 60-day IL. Got to imagine his season is over. We'll see. We'll talk to Jerry at 830 today. Thornton, spot starter, but unlike Tommy Malone, he's got options left, so you can send him up and down. Here's the third thing you need to know. That's all you need to know. That's Brock. all you need. That's all you need. Yeah, that's know. that's Lil Tommy Malone to Brock. Yeah. Yeah, that's all you need to know. That's like 6'2". Uh-huh. Uh, my death knell meter, as I said, has been a little off this week. But what we saw yesterday, Colorado leaving the big for the Big 12 and 
Doesn't seem like good news for the Pac-9. What's going on here? Well, I think I told you guys Monday that this is a big week for the conference. That Colorado was not going to leave before media days. They were not going to do that to George Klyukov. So they just decided, well, in their board of regents, let's just, uh, yeah, let's do it a couple days after these media days. Let's send everybody. Let's send, well, they didn't send Dion. Let's, let's send Rick George and some of our players out there to Vegas so we can put on this charade of still being a member in this conference. And they're not. This has been brewing, and I've heard this for months. So kind of like the Devin Witherspoon, was I surprised yesterday at all? Absolutely, positively not. This was going to happen. The Big 12 is an expansionist commissioner. I've told you that. They were just kind of waiting in this game a chicken. They didn't want to be the ones to pluck Colorado. They wanted the Board of Regents of Colorado to be the ones to decide to go back home to the Big 12. That's what they've decided to do. And in talking to multiple athletic directors in the conference yesterday, the dust is settling and they're trying to figure out where this game of musical chairs goes from now. All right, that is everything you need to know. We do a quarter past every hour on the Brock and Salk show. We'll dig a little bit more into that in Blue 88 coming up here in about 20 minutes. But it does feel like rats jumping off a sinking ship, man. It's not not good. Bears. I liked your tweet yesterday about Bill Walton. Has anybody checked on Bill? How's he doing? The Conference of Champions. Like, what? what is Bill saying about his pack, beloved Pac-9? Not good. Nothing not, not, not good. nothing good. All right. Well, what the Mariners have done over the last week is good. They are playing good baseball. They are playing hard. There are a lot of reasons for some hope moving forward. On the other hand, we've seen it before, and then immediately they go right back and drop three straight, and you hold up your hands and say, what the heck is wrong with this team? Why can't they just commit in one direction or another? Well, on Tuesday... We're going to have to see them commit moving forward or moving back. So what's out there for them? What can they do? It's next on Brock and Salk. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. A lot of good news around Seattle recently. Not good news for the Pac-12. We'll dig into a little more of what happened yesterday with Colorado bolting to head back home to the Big 12 in Blue 88. That's coming up at 745. And then Dre Jones is going to join us at 8 o'clock from practice. We already found out yesterday about DK and the way he uh, cut off the pants that he got at uh, at Men's Warehouse in order to form those tuxedo shorts for the wedding. By the way, Men's Warehouse uh, reacted to the tweet I put out about that. Really? Yeah, they were. Do they like it? Uh, they just put the the uh, sunglasses emoji oh. and uh, some hands clapping. Like how cool they are! I loved yeah. it. Look how cool we are. We yeah. got DK we're Metcalf excited. in here. Couldn't have bought that press. He's uh, he's out there. Uh, yeah, he's not even endorsing them. He's just mm. you know giving them free publicity. That's the best <laughs> kind. So mm. uh, Mariners Brock seven and a half back, four and a half in the wild card. I thought early in the day yesterday it might even be six and a half, uh, but uh, Texas came back, came roaring back actually to beat Houston after getting down early. If they are actually within what number do you think it's insane for them to sell on Tuesday? The division? Either. Either the the wild card or the division? Yeah. I mean, if they're within less than five games in the wild card now, how many teams between you and them? That's You've kind of got to add that to the mix as well because it's not just Toronto. It's Boston who's going to come to town after this road trip, New York, right? So you kind of have a few different teams. But I would say if you're within four and a half you know, uh, less than five games of the either card. of those. Yeah. yeah of, of either one. Of either one. You've got to be in go mode. I mean, look at the Angels, and the Angels are in a different spot. 
And part of me feels like Artie Moreno just played this whole game just so he could let Shohei know we're not trading you and look at us. We're going to go for it. And mm-hmm. we were never going to trade you. So they make the first big move. In the market, by the way, if you want to start to evaluate what this market's going to look like. Yeah, people yesterday, uh, they traded for Lucas Giolito, so they are kind of going all in on this year. By the way, it's absolutely what they need to do, Mm -hmm. 100%. You cannot trade Shohei Otani, and you have to do everything in your power to try to convince him to stay. So for a rare rare time, I think the Angels are doing this absolutely right. And they're in the exact same spot, at least in the standings, 52 and 49, and they got a doubleheader with Detroit today. So we'll see, but they are right there with you, right? You guys, the Angels and the Mariners for the last month or so have kind of been going back and forth, basically sitting in that same spot in the division and the wild card race, and they have decided with Shohei that they're going to go for it. So I've been kind of going back and forth on what they should do, and and I, you know, it's a weird spot for Jerry and Justin to be in because you never want to be making any decision based on 48 hours of baseball. And yet they may very well have to be there and just say, hey, look, these are the numbers. If we're in this range, we do this. If we're in that range, we do that. And if they're in the, you know, if it gets worse than where they're at now, they go to Arizona this weekend and get swept or something like that. I, I think you probably are going to have to sell at some point. You're just going to have to say, it's too much up and down and up and down. It's just not going to happen this year. It's been given four months. It just isn't going to happen for whatever reason. And as much as it would kill me, you'd trade Paul Seawald because from everything I'm hearing, the market for him is spectacular. It is robust. And you could bring back significant major league ready pieces that would help you in the very near future, if not this year. So that, that I think if it gets worse, you don't have a choice. And you probably got to sell on Teo as well. And who knows what happens after that? Yep. If it gets better, if you win you can, a third if, straight series against a good team, if you can get to two and a half back in the wild card, if you can get to four and a half, five back in the division, I think you got to be aggressive. And all of a sudden, actual rental players become a, a legitimate factor for you. Right now, I don't think that rentals are the way to go for them. I mean, straight rental, a guy you get for two months and that's it. I think that's a tough spot for them to go to right now. But if you were able to improve on where you're at right now, mm-hmm. somewhere under four games in the wild card, I would say, somewhere under six and a half games in the division, yeah, I think you become a team that says, you know what, I owe it to these guys. They they did what they did last year. They're continuing to scrap and battle, and every time they get down, they find a way to get back off the horse or back up on the horse. Like, yeah, let's go. Let let's give them a little a little push and reward them for not rolling over and dying, which they could have done after any number of these losses. And the one thing I continue to hear behind the scenes about this team is that even when things have not gone right, even when they've not played well, even when they've made mistakes, they've never stopped working hard. They've never been a team that has just said, you know what, we're toast, we're good, every man for himself, we're not good. That's not been their their behind-the-scenes MO at all. Okay. So you put that together, and those are sort of your options. What do you do if you're in the middle? What do you do if, if the deadline is today, and it's seven and a half back, four and a half in the wild card? I think that's probably where the do both scenario comes in, right? 
Isn't that when you're probably selling on Seawald and buying on somebody else mm-hmm. and trying to see if you can like move the rejigger the pieces to try to make it work better than it does right now? What do they do during election season and they have those rooms with people in it and they talk about issues and stuff? What, what is that called? They have focus a group? Yeah, focus group. If we took in that in downstairs in our in our beautiful building mm. down there where we have meetings and otherwise, if we took a focus group of a hundred committed Mariners season ticket holders, okay. good baseball people, people that pay their hard-earned money, that go and support this team, that, that sit in those stands and root them on, just very, very passionate Seattle Mariners fans. And we took a hundred of them. And I know the outside noise should not ever dictate decision-making. So I'm not telling you that they are the decision-makers, but if there was a hundred-member focus group downstairs, what do you think their voice would be? What do you think they would say about this team? This group worthy to go for it? They've been unlucky. They've been situationally terrible. But those things can turn. Julio can carry a team. Julio was player of the month time after time after time. At about this point in the season last year, June and July and August, to help lift the whole boat and win all these ball games. I I think without the knowledge of what that market looks like, I think more fans than not would say, yeah, I want to be in it because I don't want this to go away. I mean, that's not what it looked like on Twitter the other night. Right. The the highest. Yeah, what did your poll? What did it come out? with? Well, the highest was sell, although I think some of those people thought I meant sell the team. So I don't know what I don't know what's going on exactly with that poll. Get some angry people out there yeah. after a loss. But after two wins in a row and another one series. Yeah, I, I think that there could be a, a complete change in that. I think the problem you run into is that this is a tough market to buy in. Mm. There is not a lot available. The Luis Castillo kind of a trade that we've been talking about, right, where you get a guy who has two and a half years left on his deal and you can, you know, try to sign him to a long term, make him a, a new part of your nucleus. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's out there. Is that, that because like this that. market has two thirds of the teams in the position that you're in? And, and well, not even that, but 20 of the 30 teams in the playoffs. Right? Yeah, I think as of today and again, in the next four or five days, some of that may change. There may be teams that right now are saying, we're not selling that turn around and say, you know what? This just isn't going to happen as much as I didn't want to do it. And I've been holding out. I I have to, I mean, like we've been talking a lot about the Cardinals. I'm going on Cardinal radio or a St. Louis radio later this morning and just chatting with some people there. And they're like, yeah, the Cardinals like to talk a big game, but as soon as they hear the prices when they want to sell, they just don't do it. So I don't know whether some, because they've got some dudes that are perfect fits for the Mariners. Brendan Donovan, who can play second base, that is a perfect fit for the Mariners. Young guy who could really, really help them, right? We've talked about Lars Newtbar before. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Paul Goldschmidt, I don't see any scenario in which it happens, but he would be a great fit here if they could figure out how to make it make it work. Like, they've got dudes that would fit here very well, and they've got young pitching, which St. Louis could use back. But you can't force St. Louis to make a trade any more than you can force the Cubs to make a trade or any of these other teams that sure look like they're out of it, but may or may not be willing to admit it. You know what uh, spurs action? Deadlines. So you could say all that to me right now, and right. they may not answer the phone right now, and they and in an unbelievably disappointing season. If you think this year has been hard for Mariners fans, yeah. I mean, that Cardinals organization is a proud winning organization. Cardinals, Mets, Padres, those three teams have been an embarrassment. And as much as the narrative has been lousy about the Mariners this year, for good reason at times, 
they're a couple games over 500. They're not the Mets. They're not the Padres. They're not the Cardinals. Those teams have not just stubbed their toe, Jared Kelnick style. They've broken their entire foot. Like yeah. the, those teams have been Jared toast. Jared Kelnick style. Well, all right. unfortunately, <laughs> all right. Anyway. It, was, it was. I, I felt where you were going with yeah. the analogy, but yeah. if we're actually going to play that one out, all he, right. He actually did break. All his right, never mind. Foot. It's just a fracture, <laughs> so, Brock. It's not a full yes. break. Just oh, a gotcha. fracture. Oh, and a fracture is a break. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway. Yeah, so what do you think? What do you think as we sit here today? What is today? Thursday. I we only have, we only have Thursday, Friday, and Monday. We as only awful as it sounds, I don't think there's an answer today. I don't think we're going to know more until Monday. Correct. And, and, and that's an unsatisfying take for sports radio. And I heard Bob frustrated yesterday. Why are they throwing out names like Tony Kemp? Who can't was this a what's bugging Bob? I, I mean, what isn't, right? I mean, so I, 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 don't, I don't know that there's like a perfect fit for them right now. Yeah. I think we'll know more in a few days, both because we'll know more about the market and we'll know more about where the Mariners are at. But I just was sitting there last night thinking about Jerry and Justin and kind of like what their days must be like. It's hard enough to buy at a deadline. It's hard enough to sell at the deadline. They legitimately can't know yet what direction they're going in and have to be talking to all 29 teams about both scenarios. I had a friend, a of, lot. Mine, I had a friend of mine say to me, I kind of chuckled, this is, this is not kid appropriate, but he said to me, how do these guys not drink every night? Right. I, I, I mean, how could you, like, just the, the, the nature of this sport and so many of these things that are totally and completely out of your control, but then in baseball, mid-season, well, further past mid-season now, but you know, 100 games in, you've got to make this decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to make these critical, critical, critical can be not only for this season, but for next season as well. It is funny, man. You know, we we talk about that idea of not managing or general managing like a fan so that you don't end up one. I was thinking about that the other day, too, with Scott. And uh, something happened in a game. Somebody missed a bunt. I forget who it was. They went to lay down a bunt or whatever it was and just you know, bounced it foul or popped it up behind the plate or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the camera immediately goes to Scott. And I'm just thinking, like, this poor guy, like, he's got to not react at all. Yep. What a what a bizarre job that can you imagine watching a baseball I, game I, I, where you had to be completely uh, stoic? Confession. I got a small confession. Uh sitting in the good seats when I got a chance to do that a little over a week ago. I watched Scott a lot. I watched him a lot. He can't react. It was a you six, never know when that when that when that a camera's gonna go right on you. Six zero Tigers loss. It was a tough Saturday night. It was a tough one. And Teo had, I think, three of the worst strikeouts. You're gonna like, oh my gosh. And I just watched his face over there. And, yeah, it's about a little shake of the head. It's one of these little, get that out of my system. Can't do that. And that's about it because you can't. Because the camera's going to find you, and now you've embarrassed your player. And you you just can't do any of those things. So, look, there are a couple of names out there that that are familiar that people will want to hear about. I don't know whether any of them are going to be good fits. We've talked about Tim Anderson in the past. Tim Anderson has worse numbers numbers than than Colton Wong this year. Don't look at him. Tim Anderson has two fewer home runs this year than Colton Wong. You know how many Colton Wong has? Two. Two. He doesn't hit a home run. He's not hit a home run this year. Yikes. Right? And the defense has not been spectacular either. So I don't know whether that's a great fit based on what he's done so far this year. Right? So you kind of go through this and say, all right, well, where is the name? Well, everyone's always liked Ian Happ. The Mariners have always liked Ian Happ. 
By all accounts, not going to be available. By okay. all accounts, the Cubs like Ian Happ because they are about the same spot you are when it comes right. to their wild card race in the National and League. And he signed the deal long term there, and he's you know there's a hometown discount element and all of that. So yep. I mean, you kind of go through this. Is Mark Hanna interesting? Yes, of course he is. The name that I find fascinating. Hanna kind of a weirdo. I think he is. Yeah, remember he used the guy who used to wear the yes, um, the mask, other, the like, mask all the way to his eyeballs. <laughs> Yes. Just a just a baz- the know, babushka just, or whatever you call yeah, that thing. Yeah. He was he was wearing like like Marshawn. He was wearing the full thing like it was the middle of winter, except it was summer. Yeah, I would kind of be interested in having a guy like that around, especially because he gets on base. Did pretty you darn say well. Marshawn? Did you say Canna's like Marshawn? I didn't say he's exactly up. like Marshawn, but if the two of them hung out together, I would be interested to see where that went. Um, if they can find a way to get Brendan Donovan, just kind of put a put a little like Mm. pin in that name. Mm. I don't think the Cardinals are going to deal him. He's probably too young, but he would be a really, really, really great fit for them. I don't know why my watch is now reacting and talking back to me, but (laughs) with that in mind, we'll end our Mariner conversation. Mark Cannon is not a weird guy. I appreciate his eccentricities. The balaclava. Thank you. That's what that thing's called. It's the aliens. It's the aliens. It's the aliens. Now they're in my phone. questioned it. It's got really cute pictures of Wendell on there, though. That's all. I don't mind looking at my phone because every time I do, I get a different picture of Wendell. Right now, Brock, I'm going to torture you. It's time for Blue 88. This is Brock and Sock's Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewer and Mike Sock. <laughs> 360 says that's why Scott has resting pissed face. If you always look mad, it doesn't matter what happens during it. Bats. <laughs> he suffers from RPF. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty true. I actually kind of buy that one. Uh, all right, Brock. Blue 88. Question number one. I'll give you one Seahawks one before we have to dig into what's going on with the Pack Nine. What was the best thing you saw from Seahawks practice yesterday? Cut number thirteen. Give me cut number thirteen. This was a Tyler Lockett embedded in my soul two months ago about this offense and the next step they have to take. Pete was asked about it post-practice. Yeah, well, the defense is letting them run, okay? So uh, they're not tackling them. So, um, but it was really good to see that. And good to see Eskridge get out on one. I think uh, uh, Jax might have got out on one also. Um, it's, it's part of, you know, it's part of our offense. We've had this stuff in for, forever. But um, to see it first day hit and, and click like that, that was really good. It was really showing the offensive side. And Pete's referencing the screen game. Asked specifically about Jackson Smith and Jigba. A highlight you saw on social media yesterday as he split the seam and, and took it north and south for a big play. And as Pete said, well, like any defensive guy is going to say, listen, we were going to hit him, all right? Uh, we can't hit him right now at this point of training camp. But getting that screen game going, getting those receivers involved. Has it been in their system forever, as Pete said? Of course it has. But have they executed it very well? No. In fact, was it a death nail in a playoff loss? In the COVID season, yes, it was a death nail. Uh, what? What did I say? What did you? What do you say? A death nail. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Well, it's death a nail bit comes of, like like the tolling of a bell. And the death nail is like the final nail in the coffin. So it works either way. <laughs> because when they tried to throw that screen pass against the Rams and it was picked off, that was the death nail, and that was the death nail. It was both of them, and we need to be done with both. I'll let that linger for a minute. Yeah, please do. Of course you like that? I do. I like that. Welcome. That's good. That's good. (laughs) It tolls for the I actually as you've written that a couple times, I'm like, oh, I I have understood it is the tolling. I do. I did understand that. Okay, good. 
No, I did. But I'm also like, you know what? It works as nail as <laughs> it as does. It kind of works as a nail. In That's the what I thought it was growing up, Brock. So I'm glad you feel that way. You're welcome. And then you turn nine. All right. What, uh, Brock, who is the biggest culprit in the demise of the conference formerly known as the Pac-10, the Pac-12, and now apparently the Pac-9? I'm going to first and foremost put it on Larry Scott at about 51%. And then the presidents that sit on the board at 49%. He is the commissioner. He got paid a king's ransom. Speaking of uh, of delayed payments and and payment down the road, I mean he's generationally wealthy, Ugh. and and part of it was because those presidents and the board that make a lot of the decisions ran him out front and let him take arrows after arrows. But you want to talk about weak-minded leadership. You want to talk about one that just went with the flow of all of those presidents and never challenged that board of this is where we're going. And I'm not going to lie, it brought me back to my time at the University of Washington. Don James, the AD, Mr. Lude, ran an unbelievable program. Obviously, it ran afoul and broke some rules and crossed some lines, but it generated a tremendous amount of wealth. It generated a tremendous amount of popularity. It went to a tremendous amount of Rose Bowls and won a national championship because they understood that was the engine that drove the machine. And then he was let go. Don James moves on. Barbara Hedges comes in from Southern California and just says, no. No, football doesn't have to be king. We can put to all these other places, and we can support all the other things. And that football stadium can rot. And you know what? The cement can crater. And we it's fine. Football will be football. And we need to take care of everything else. But it never took care of the engine. And then Tyrone Willingham comes around in an 0 for season, which you never could possibly imagine happening. Well, very similar, unfortunately, to me, of what happened to this conference with the presidents and upper campuses and a commissioner that said, no, 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 we don't have to. We'll create our own stuff. And, and the Olympic sports will be just as good and be just as popular and make just as much revenue. And we don't really have to cater to football anymore. In fact, many of these campuses, we don't even like football. And then USC and UCLA leave, Colorado leaves, and now you're in shambles. Sad. Brutal. Question number three. What now? I mean, just to stay on the subject with the uh, Conference of Champions, uh, what happens next? Well, I know this in speaking to people involved at a higher level than you and me and this audience right now. uh, They are trying to figure out today. They knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. I said this was coming. They knew that this day was going to come, but now it's come. And now how many of these other people still want a seat at the table? Arizona, the eye is on you. What are you going to do? Ooh, music went down. Why would they stay? They're scary now. Uh-oh. Oh. What? We got you. What, are, what, what is going on? Can you on? hear me? Yeah, of course I can hear you. Oh, you still hear me? Oh, okay, yeah. I just want to make sure you still hear me. I can't hear you, so I'm not hearing you You're right lucky. now. So I'm I, I'm just going to continue. I'm just going to continue to talk. Okay, I'm going to continue to talk, even though I can't hear you. But I'm going to continue to talk. I'm just hearing Mora right now and Justin. But I'm going to I'm going to work through it, and I'm going to tell you right now that the all eyes are on Arizona and Arizona State, and to a lesser degree Utah. Arizona, what are you going to do? Arizona, are you are you going to leave like Colorado has left? Or are you going to stick around and fight this out and fight the good fight and see if San Diego State is going to be, you know, the fix for Colorado? Or is it going to be, sorry, you know, Colorado's out. I'm going to look out for my own. 
And if this expansionist commissioner in the Big 12 comes after Arizona, and by the way, that, that, that expansionist commissioner in the Big 12, you know what else he loves from what I've heard? Basketball. It's why he's reached out to Gonzaga. It's why he's reached out to UConn. Because while he is an expansionist and while he knows the value of football, he also sees the second biggest revenue sport is basketball. And so who's the best basketball program in the conference and has been for the last few decades? That would be C. Rogers' Bear Down Wildcats. So Arizona, the light is now on you. What are you going to do? Are you going to run like Colorado run to more stability? If they guarantee you the same share of $31.7 million and in a place in a seat at the table, are you going to run? So now all eyes and all attention turn to Arizona and some of the other partners and whether or not they flee. And if they flee, I don't even want to dream of what happens to Washington State or Oregon State or some of the others. Stanford, Cal, I think they've got pretty big endowments. I think they could be pretty independent and do what they want to do. Washington and Oregon, now will they have to go to a different conference and take less of a share early on? Possibly. Uh, I've seen that narrative a whole bunch. But right now, in this on this day, these ADs are looking at the University of Arizona to a lesser degree Arizona State and asking, what are you going to do well i can't imagine it's going to be good I, I don't know why they would want to stick around as everybody else is fleeing as the leadership doesn't really seem to have any idea what it's doing and there doesn't seem to be any money or a tv deal anywhere in sight so if i were in arizona i would be uh exiting stage right as soon as humanly possible all right coming up next first of all we see if we can get brock all fixed up so that he can hear me which would be nice but even more important than that we're going to talk to dre jones and if brock can't do it i'm just going to do it myself let's hear what this new seahawks defensive player has to say he's the most important defensive acquisition they've made in years and now he's got a practice under his belt we'll talk to him next